Our Father God in heaven, Lord, we thank you. God, we love you. Uh, Lord, we ask that uh, in the next few minutes we can just uh, hear from you. Uh, God, as we uh, celebrate this, this day, uh, this time of year, uh, Lord, we ask that uh, we can understand why we do it, um, Lord. And, uh, you know, through this all, Lord, we just ask that we can come to a, um, a closer relationship with you, and then we can live that out in our lives. Praise in your name, Jesus. Amen. So we're going to start out talking, uh, I'm going to briefly go through uh, Deuteronomy chapter 6, been through it a bunch of times with you before, uh, look at the Shema, uh, highlight something in there, we're going to go to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4, and then we're going to go back to Deuteronomy chapter 16, and then we're going to end up somewhere else. I can't give it, I can't give it all away, but uh, turn to Deuteronomy chapter 6. That's in the Old Testament. Deuteronomy chapter uh, 6. And, and here's what I want you to do. I just want you to, to, to listen um, in here. And, and just um, whatever jumps out to you, hold on to. Okay? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children. I, I, no emphasis added or anything, right? You shall teach them diligently to your children. Wait a second. You shall teach them diligently. If something jumps out at you, just, I mean, be, be, be okay with it. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign on your hand and as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So um, I don't know if it jumped out to you, but you shall teach them diligently to your children. I, you know, you, you've heard me even preach a whole sermon on this. I don't need to rehash that, but... Um, what we have to understand is it is our responsibility as parents and as grandparents, as aunts, as uncles, as brothers, as sisters, everything. We are to teach the, the next generations, those who are around us, diligently. What are we to teach them? God's way. And, and how do we do that? Well, we, we model that. We, we model that um, and, and people see all of, all, all of that. Now, what I want to do is I want to talk to the, um, the, the youth for just a second, because I think what we can do is we can hear, uh, you know, the, everybody's supposed to teach the children, so the, 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 the youth are like, okay, so I need to be taught this, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to be taught this, but that doesn't mean that the, the youth can't reciprocate and, and teach as well. Turn to uh, 1 Timothy chapter 4. First Timothy chapter 4, one of my favorite uh, portions of Scripture. You all know this is where I get the, uh, the, 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 the we train, we don't try, because we, we train in godliness. But beyond that, in verse 12, Paul tells Timothy this, Let no one despise you for your youth. Pause. So, so, so hear this. If you're under the, the, the age of 20, let's just say 20. I don't know what the, the new adult age is. If you're under the age of 30, or I don't know, 20, 18, whatever it may be. If there's someone older than you, all right? So we got some old folks in here. So everybody, this applies to everybody. Yeah. 
Moses over there goes, yes. Um, Yeah, because when we talk about tablets like this, Marlon's like, I got my stone ones. Um, But but, but here's this. What we need to understand is Paul is talking to to young Timothy. Uh, It's thought that that Timothy might have been in his late teens, early 20s, whatever it is. But there was some some talk or there was some contention about, oh, he's just too young. He can't really speak the the, the wisdom of of God. And what Paul is telling Timothy here is like, let no one despise you. Let no one despise you for your youth. Let no one look down on you because you're 12. Okay? Let no one look down on you because you're 14. Let no one look down on you, again, youth here, let no one look down on you because you are, are living the way in which God says to live, and you, you, maybe your parents need to take a lesson from you. Now, this is not, now hear me on this, this is not a, 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 um, a license for you all to be belligerent and, and to be disobedient to your parents. What this is, is understand that you have an important role to play, not only in your walk with God, but also your parents' walk with God. I'll tell you this, kids, because you're still kids, young adults, teenagers, whatever. One of the hardest things in the, a, a parent's life when they are a believer in Jesus Christ is to deal with y'all. And, and I, I'm saying this because here's the deal. I deal with this a lot where we have parents who are growing and maturing in, in, in Christ, and they want to uh, grow and mature uh, further and deeper, but their kids are acting like heathens, and they're, 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 being, they're, they're being tried all the time. Now, I'm not saying that, that it's all your fault, but understand that your actions do affect your parents. And, and, and understand that, that the actions that, that are affecting your parents are going to in turn affect you. Because what we have to understand and what we want to really focus on is our goal and our purpose is to grow in our walk with Jesus. Think about it this way. If your parents get healthier and healthier and healthier in Christ, who's going to reap the the benefit and the reward the most? It's going to trickle down to you. So it behooves you. I know you probably don't know what that word means. It would be to your best of interest to understand that you have an important role. Look where it goes on to say there, Paul's talking there, and he says, um, uh, you know, let, let no one despise you for your youth, but set the believers an example in speech, in conduct, in love, in faith, and in purity. If you want to know, teenagers, if you want to know how you can grow in your relationship with God, Right here is a, a, a good list that you can kind of focus on. How am I doing in my speech? Is what is coming out of my mouth pleasing to God? How about this? Well, maybe it's, I don't say anything bad because I don't really say anything at all. Is what you're posting on Twittergram or Instabook or whatever all those things are, flashcards and gizmo, whatever, is, is that pleasing to God? Is that a good example? What about in conduct? How are you acting? When, when your parents tell you to do something, are you giving them lip? The parents don't, don't weigh in here. In love? Now, this is not love like is defined by the world. This is in love that is an, an agape type relational love. This is not a sexual thing. There's no intimacy in, in that. This is a relational type. 
in faith? How is your walk with, with God? Do you understand what it means to have a, a relationship with Jesus Christ? Not just because your parents do, but you truly have something that is genuine, that you know is real. If, if you don't, say something to somebody. Say, say something to somebody today. Say, well, you know what, I really don't understand what that means, that faith and have a relationship with, with Jesus. I'm, I'm sure your parents would be elated, would be very, very, very happy to have that conversation with you. And here's the deal. Parents, if your kid or somebody else comes up to you and say, you know what, I don't know if I really have a relationship with Jesus, don't convince them that they do. Don't try to say, oh, you've been in church. No, no, here's the deal. Don't convince them that they do. Walk with them to make sure that they do. Because the worst thing that we can do as parents is we can convince our children that they, you know who Jesus is. Come on now. Because what happens is, well, we don't want anybody to, to see that, you know, my kid doesn't know who, who, who Jesus is. Well, but, but at the end of the day, I don't give a rip who, 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 what people think, and you shouldn't either, because at, at the end of time, your kid, just like my kids, are going to stand in front of, of God and have to give an account for the decision which they made. The most important decision is their decision with Jesus. What are they, they, they going to do with that? So don't convince them. Don't, don't, don't convince them that they are a Christian. Let them walk out that and walk with them to get to that, so they can come to that conclusion on, them, on their own. Because at the end, I, I know I, you can be the best mom, best dad. At the end of time, you are not going to be standing beside your child in judgment. Your child's going to stand alone. I'm going to stand alone. We're all going to stand alone and have to give an account for that. So understand that and, 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 and be, be sympathetic to that. And I think that's part of this understanding that they're teaching and we're growing them up in the way of God. So kids, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. And this is where we started out with um, we're hooting and hollering about our favorite uh, sports team and football and all this other stuff. You know, great. That, 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 that's awesome. Be excited. Be passionate about that. But don't let the, the excitement, the passion about what eternally matters wane in your life. Don't, don't, let, don't let it be dismissed. And, and I love that how important this was um, to God and how important it was to God's people. That you can't let the excitement, you can't let it, it simmer down. Uh, who remembers the old Saturday Night Live skit with the, the Simadana? Simadana. Simadana. Simadana, right? I love the one when Garth Brooks was on there and he was doing that. Simadana. Anywho, Google it. Fine. Don't let our enthusiasm about who Christ is and what he has done and how God has set us free, don't let it simmer in our lives. Actually, let's turn the heat up and let's learn as a body of believers that it's okay to be happy when you come to church. It's okay to be happy in church. Well, I'm dealing with stuff. Fine. When you're dealing with stuff, you don't have to mope around. Because when you, when you mope around, well, all you're doing is you're advertising for the devil. The devil's got the best of you. Can you deal with your things? Yes, deal with it. Make your, 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 uh, your worries known to your brother and to your sister. Brother, sister, is what I'm telling you. Don't be so stone-faced like no one wants to come up and mess with you. If I stand here with my arms crossed and I guess no one's going to come and tell me their problems because I don't want to deal with it. Well, come on now. 
What, what, what are we coming together for? I mean, I, yeah, I know you love seeing the be- beautiful guy up here and everything. <coughs> I just choked it myself. Um, <laughs> yes, Lord, I gotcha. <laughs> I gotcha. But, but understand, we come together and we, we can be happy and joyful in that. And, and that's where I really want us to, to un- what, what, I, what, I, what I want us to understand and what is going on this time of year. So we're, we're doing the fall festival today, right? We saw the kids up here in all their, their crazy outfits and everything like that. We're not going to be one of these ones. I know all week long on Moody Radio, they're talking about, should we celebrate Halloween? And if we do, how? whatever, you know, I want to focus on who Jesus is. And if we can take something where people get all crazy and you, they sugar your kids up, fine, whatever. Um, but let's redeem it and we can make it a, a, a good time. So... Uh, what I want us to stress is the time of year. It's this time of harvest. That's what a fall festival is. It's celebrating harvest. And God, he instituted some times and some what are called feasts to his people to remember these times of celebration. Turn to Deuteronomy chapter 16. Excuse me. In Deuteronomy chapter 16... We're going to see something interesting here. Deuteronomy chapter 16, uh, verse, chapter, or I'm sorry, chapter 16, verse 9. Now, what I want to do is, is, is I want us to, to, to look at this, this particular feast. This one feast is one of, of three major feasts that um, were instituted by God to his people that um, everybody was, was supposed to come together and, and um, observe. This, this feast here is called the Feast of Weeks. Uh, it, it's also known as the Feast of Harvest. So this is, this is like at the end of their, their, their growing season, the, the harvest time, they're, they're, they're celebrating. What are they celebrating? What we're going to see, they're, they're celebrating the harvest. Look here. Verse 9, you shall count seven weeks, begin to count the seven weeks from the time the sickle is first put into the standing grain. Then you shall keep the feast of weeks to the Lord your God, which with the tribute of a freewill offering from your hand, from which you shall give for which you shall give as the Lord your God blesses you. Not going to focus a lot on that, but here's the deal. God gives to you so you can give and show him that, hey, God, I know everything you've given to me. I'm, I'm, I want to show I'm trusting in you with it. There, there, there is a lot that can be said that. Um, but understand that God blesses, so we bless. And you shall rejoice before the Lord your God, you and your son and your daughter, your male servant, your female servant, the Levite who is within your towns, the sojourner, the fatherless, and the widow who are among you at the place that, God, that the Lord your God will choose to make his name dwell there. You shall remember that you were a slave in Egypt, and you shall be careful to observe these statutes. So, Understand here, when, when, when Moses is writing this, he, he, he lists out all of these people. And, and what he is saying here, essentially, is that this feast is for everyone to observe. All to observe. That was one of the reasons I wanted to have the kids up here, the, sorry, the young adults up here, the teenagers up here. Because we all need to learn what it means to observe this feast of weeks. 
It goes on and it says here that this is so that we can not only rejoice in what God has given us, but we can also remember where we have came from, come from. All right, we just got through the Ten Commandments series, right? We made it, uh, Ten Commandments in 11 weeks. It's a record, right? So we, we, as we've, we've gotten through there, what we, we talked about continuously was when the Ten Commandments were given. Remember, they were given after the, 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 uh, the nation of Israel came out of Egypt from bondage and from slavery. They were given then on Mount Sinai. And then 40 years later, they were given again on the plains of Moab right before they were getting ready to go across the Jordan River into the promised land. What we have to understand is all of, all of that was given to these people before they, they, they actually inhabited the, the, the land that God promised them. This is the same thing. God's telling them about a feast in which you're going to have after you go into the land and after you see what I've prepared for you. They're talking about harvest, and these people, they were like, they had no, they were nomads. They were wanderers. They didn't know anything of harvest yet. They didn't understand how this all worked. Remember, God has been providing them uh, uh, bread that fell from, from heaven and providing them quail that, that comes in, providing them water out of, out of a rock. God's been providing, providing for them all of this time. And now he's saying, okay, here's, gonna, here's the deal. You're going to harvest, and, and, and from this harvest, you're going to bring back to me, and you're going to celebrate, and you're going to rejoice this time of year. It's, it's thought that... Um, with this, this, this feast here was uh, the, the Feast of Weeks, the Feast of Harvest, directly correlated with the being freed from, uh, from bondage of slavery in Egypt and the giving of the, the, the Ten Commandments because it was like um, about 50 days or so from the time that they were out until the time that they, they got the, the, the commandments. We talked about that throughout the, the Ten Commandments series. But understand that when they came together... What is it that they did? All right. Okay. So, um, what have we been trying? What have I been trying to do? Celebrate good times. Come on, right? I sing. I do whatever is necessary, right? Uh, no, here they came together, and it says that they rejoiced. When they came together, they celebrated. Why were they celebrating? Because God gave them what they needed, absolutely. They were celebrating the, the provision of God, but they were also celebrating where they had come from. Just think about that for a second. Everyone in here, just think about that. Do you have something to celebrate? What God has given you and where God has brought you from? Don't, you don't have to answer that out loud, but think about that. Do you have something to celebrate? If, you can, if you're like, eh, not so much, I don't know reassess where, where you stand with God. Because if you cannot celebrate this new life in which he has given you, the, the, the life that, that is what, what, he, what, what Jesus says, that I've come to give life and life abundantly, not only life here, but when, when the end of time comes and everybody's, you know, doomsday preppers are all in their bunkers, we're out there going, come on, Jesus, let's go. Are, 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 you, are you able to, to, to be joyful and rejoicing in that? Or are you kind of like freaking out? Like, i got to get my ammunition stash up. i got all my guns. I'm waiting. I'm waiting for the, the, the big holocaust or whatever, the Armageddon to come through. Zombie apocalypse. <laughs> uh, si, si, uh, what is si, uh, Uncle Side, uh, and he says, uh, a zombie apocalypse. 
I can't even, didn't even know what an apocalypse is. I guess that's what rednecks does for you, right? But understand, it, 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 there, there's an importance. There, there is something to celebrate. And what God was doing here, he was setting forth for his people. Like, I'm going to give you what you need. And because I'm going to give you what you need, you need to be joyful. It doesn't say it here, but I can read between the lines. Don't be a cranky Christian. <laughs> right? Right? He's saying that there's something to, to rejoice. Now, he, in this, you know, let's get, get down. And get, I'll give you some facts or whatever, you guys, because you guys like to hear that kind of stuff. So the purpose of the Feast of Harvest was to express gratitude to God for the harvest. But it's also understanding, okay, thank you, God, for the harvest, for making it. But understand that it was totally his provision in doing it. Now, wait a second. What about the farmer that, that, that sowed all the seed and everything? Okay, but who gives the farmer the, the ability to do that? God. Who gives the rain? God. Who, who gives the sun? Right. Who, who gives the, the growth? Uh, God. So we're, we're seeing all this. It kind of has, there's a, a main theme here, right? All provision comes from God. And he's saying this. He's saying, hey, remember, remember that. As this time went on, and I know that you guys are all like on the edge of your seats because celebration, celebration, we're going to celebrate, we're going to celebrate. This was something, like I said, it was one of three feasts, that, the, the, one of three major feasts, I should say, that happened throughout uh, the, the year that the, 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 uh, the, the Jewish people would celebrate. When they come together, there was, the, the, the excitement couldn't be contained. It, it, it wasn't like what, kind of what we do, and please, I'm not knocking on y'all a little bit, um, but it's not like we come together and at, at moments we have spurts. No, there's a commotion because, whoo, I mean, look at, look at our harvest. Because at the end of the day, they didn't have Taco Bell to run to it on the road if, if, if the harvest wasn't good, right? I was just talking with Marty. Marty was telling me about how some of the, the crop failure, and he's already talking to the insurance company about, you know, the damage and everything. That, that, they didn't have that back then. If, you, if your crop failed... What was the result? You didn't eat, right? So they're, they're saying, God has provided. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. And this was something that everyone did from the, the littlest one to the biggest of one, tallest of one, oldest of one, whatever. They celebrated this time. Now, this, this Feast of Weeks, this Feast of Harvest, is also known by a, another name in Greek. Uh, let us sit for a second. Let, let your, some of you are roll, rolling through your, your, your Rolodex here. I, I smell the smoke. I get it. That's the fire in which we need, right? This feast was known also as Pentecost. Pentecost just means 50. All right? Well, what's the big deal? Well, I, I want us to, to, to look at something. Because you ask me, okay, yeah, Lee, you're saying that, you know, we need to get together and we need to celebrate what God has given us and we need to remember this. That's hard. How am I supposed to do that? How am I supposed to be joyful when my crop failed? Maybe you don't, it's not your crop, but there's something in your life you're like, that's not going right. How am I supposed to do this? I'll tell you, you're, you're supposed to do this, and we're supposed to do this the same way in which the early church was able to do this. Turn with me to Acts chapter 2. Acts 
This is going to be, um, as you're going to see, this is going to be the start of the next couple weeks. We're going to talk about um, a specific topic, actually a specific person. Uh, see if you can uh, gather who that specific person is as we, as we talk um, through this. Acts chapter 2. Now, to set the stage real quick, in Acts chapter 1, it talks about uh, Jesus coming together with his disciples, him uh, ascending up into heaven after he's been uh, murdered, after he rose from the dead. He was with his, uh, his followers, it says, for uh, 40 days. And it says, and Paul even says that, that over 500 witnesses saw him during this time. So this is all taking place. He's, he's already ascended up into to heaven. And uh, I, I, I love the, 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 in, in uh, chapter 1 where it says that, you know, they're all watching him like. What are we supposed to do now? Did he really just leave us? Yeah, he told us to go wait. What do you think we're supposed to do? And so God sent a couple of angels saying, hey, guys. He's going to come back the same way in which he just left. Go do what he says to do. And what, did he, what did Jesus tell him to do? Go, go into Jerusalem and wait. So they go to Jerusalem and wait. So this is the setting here. But it just so happened that the time in which all of this took place, there was this major feast that was to take place. Anybody know what the feast is? Pentecost. Pentecost. Yeah, absolutely. Which is the Feast of Weeks. It says... When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, let's, let's, let, let's really focus in on this for a second. Why were they together, all together in one place? Well, Dan and I were talking about this week, and, and I think it's important to stress that they were, in to get, they were together um, in, in one place because Jesus told them to. Jesus told his disciples to go back in, in, into Jerusalem and wait there. But they were also together in one place because they were observing what God told them to do 1,400 years ago in observing the Feast of Weeks. So it was not only the people, or not only Jesus' disciples, the, 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 the 11 at that time, and then the 120 or however many the, the larger group was, but there was thousands of people that have come together for this time. So kind of... Kind of think in your mind, let, let, let your uh, sanctified imagination start to work, and, and just think a, a, of a small town, smaller town like, like Jerusalem that just gets flooded with people at certain times of the year. I, I, I went to Sturgis this year, and, and I was talking to some uh, of the locals there, and that, that, that town of Sturgis, if you've been there, is, is only like uh, eight or 10,000 people in that area. But during the, 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 the bike rally there for the, the, those, that week and a half, two weeks, it, it exceeds 250,000, 300,000, sometimes 400,000 people. It just <laughs> swells up. People everywhere. Same thing that was going on here. The same thing that, that happens for these feasts. There's a purpose here. They came together. It says that they were, when the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. And it says, and suddenly there came from heaven a sound like a mighty rushing wind, and it filled the entire house where they were sitting. So the house where the, 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 the disciples were sitting inside of, of Jerusalem, it says that this, the sound of this wind filled this house. 
You know, when I, for, for years when reading this, you know, I, I kind of had the mental picture that, that, that Peter was holding onto the table because the wind was going to knock him down. But it doesn't say a wind itself came through. It just says a sound of a mighty rushing wind came. And it filled the entire house in which they were in. And then it says, in divided tongues as of fire. So they, they appeared to look like fire. They weren't fire. Again, Peter didn't have his hair on fire. Appeared to them and rested on each of them. It says, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So at this time, when the, the, this, the day of Pentecost came and they're together in this, in this room. The disciples are together in this room. But there's a lot of people that are outside of this room and in this, this, this general location because of what God has said, both of what God has said. They have direct, the disciples have direct um, d- direction, instruction from Jesus to say, here, go here. I want you to, to, to be here. But these, these disciples of Jesus were also faithful Jews, and they were also uh, understanding what time of year it was. They were all, also uh, celebrating this Feast of Weeks. I do not believe, I do not believe that the, the, the disciples were just kind of hunkered down doing nothing. Maybe they weren't hanging out the window like Mardi Gras, but they were understanding that they were still celebrating what God has provided for them. Even though their lives were turned upside down because Jesus was now ascended, they're still celebrating what, what, what God had, had given them. It says, verse 5, Now there were dwelling in Jerusalem Jews, devout men from every nation under heaven. And at the sound, the multitude came together, and they were bewildered because each one was hearing them speak in his own language. So remember, all of these people together, now that they hear the commotion amongst all of the celebration that's already going on. So, so think about that. There was already, and I guess what I can you know, equate it to is kind of like when, again, I'll use the, the, the illustration of last year in the Clemson game, where the, the, the final touchdown was scored, and there was celebration but there was even greater celebration, not only because there was a touchdown was scored, but now we're the national champions. So there was a greater intensity then. I, I look at this, this, the celebration that was taking place because of the Feast of Weeks, because of Pentecost, what was going on. There was celebration, but then there was something that was even more celebratory that was going on. So there was something of even greater intensity that was happening that got these people... It's kind of like all the people at Mardi Gras are going down the street and everything. They're seeing all this. And then there's even a greater commotion that's going on. It got their attention. And it says that when it got their attention, it says they, they heard um, each one of them speak in their own language. Now, I'm not going to get into the, no, was this a special language? What does it mean to speak in tongues and all that? We can talk about that at a later time. What I want to stress is everybody heard the message of God, and they were able to understand the message of God amidst all of this commotion. And they were amazed and astonished, saying, are not all these who are speaking Galileans? And how is it that we hear each of us in his own native tongue, Parthenians and Medes and Elamites and residents of Mesopotamia and Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus, Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia, West Virginia, Egypt, and part... Oh, yours doesn't say that? 
I, I thought it was in there. Um, Egypt and parts of, of Libya beyond or belonging to Cyrene and the visitors of Rome, both Jews, proselytes, Cretans, and Arabians. We hear them telling in our own tongue what? The mighty works of God. So, so I, I get it. Sometimes some people go and, and try to explain all what these tongues, that's fine, great, whatever, do your thing. But understand this, the most important part of this is what was being explained, not how it was being explained. It was the mighty works of God that were being communicated to these people. And they're all like, wow, I understand that. All were amazed and perplexed, saying, to one another, what does this mean? But others, mocking, no one has any mockers in their life, right? But others mocking said, they're just filled with new wine. It's just Aunt Sally, she's on the bottle again, you know. <laughs> I, I, I love this because remember, and, and, I, and we're, we're going to see here, and oh my goodness, we're like going later. Maybe we'll... we'll Put part two to next week. But here's what I want us to see. The celebration was, was going on. And while the celebration was going on, the hearts of the people were prepared by God through celebration to receive the greatest gift in which you'll ever receive. Wait a second. Jesus is the greatest gift. Jesus says, it's better that I go away from you so that the, 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 the paraclete, the helper, can come. Because if Jesus would have stayed here on earth, he could be with some people because he could only be in one place one time, right? But he says, I got to go, and it's better that I go because the one that I'm, that, that I'm sending, the Holy Spirit, is going to be with everyone. And it's not only going to be with everyone, it's going to dwell inside of everyone. The question I, that, that I said earlier is, is, you know, some people say, well, how can I celebrate when, when, when stuff is going on in my life, when these crappy things are going on in my life? It's because if you're a believer in God, if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, the same spirit that raised God from the dead, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is the same spirit that dwells inside of you. And this is what happened on the day of Pentecost. They were there celebrating their hearts were being prepared. I, I believe this. Their hearts were being prepared through celebration to receive this gift. So I, I think it, it, it's important for us to understand that as we celebrate, we're preparing our hearts for God to, to bless us. That, that, that doesn't mean that we, we celebrate so we receive blessings. What, what, what I want us to understand, and I think we all should like kind of focus in on here, is that, that God is, is a God that overcomes great obstacles and has. And we have something to celebrate. So why not celebrate what he's already done? Therefore, he gives us more to celebrate. Because if we're not celebrating what he's already done, why would he give us more to celebrate that we're not going to celebrate? That, that, that makes sense? It's kind of like your kids at, at Christmas, they open the, the gift and you're, you're like, well, they're not, they're not like happy, as happy as, because you're, you, I mean, you spent weeks and weeks and some of you months getting the perfect gift and you're in, anticipating that time and then they open it and they're like, eh, and they play with the box instead of the whatever it is that, that was inside the box and you, everybody says, well, we should just bottom hold a bunch of boxes, right? Well, and then in yourself, you're like, well, I don't want them to give them anything else because they're not going to enjoy that. No, God's not like that. But what God is, is God wants us to enjoy him. God is most glorified in us when we're most satisfied in him. 
We show our satisfaction in him by celebrating what he's already given us. Doesn't mean we run around crazy. Some of y'all are crazy, but it doesn't mean that we all have to run around and, and go woohoo crazy and everything. But it does mean that we need to be joyful for what we've been given. And I believe that through that joy is where God is going to say, okay, he's faithful or she is faithful with, I've get, with what I've given. I'm going to give them more. Because celebration is a part of faithfulness. And it all comes down, are you being faithful with what God has already given you? Or are you taking what God has given you and you hoarding it away for yourself? I can't celebrate that because everybody will know what I've got. And I'm not going to share with what i got. Well, then God says he's going to take away from you what you've got because you're not doing what he intended it to be used for. So understand that celebration, it is. It's all a heart issue. God wants your heart. God wants what, what, what overflows out of you to be, to be joyous to him. So when we come together, just, again, I know this isn't going, this, we're, this can be more like a dimmer switch. Like we're going to have to shh, kind of, a little bit of time. We'll, we'll actually go down here. Like, ooh, and there'll be some hiccups, ooh, a little bit of time. But, but understand, we need to get in, in the, the mood, in the mode of celebration because God's people celebrate. We see that throughout Scripture. Even when they are in slavery, they celebrate. Even when everything's been taken away from them, they celebrate. So let's be the celebratory people of God. And let, 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 I didn't say celibate. Some of you, yes, but celebratory. Celebratory. Let, let, let us celebrate what God has given us. We good? How are we going to celebrate what God has given us? Anybody want to yell it out? Tell others. Okay, there's one. How else? How, how can we celebrate in the next couple minutes here? Get excited. Get excited. Okay, how can we do that? How about you got these, these beautiful people that are going to come up here and going to strum a little bit, going to play a little bit, going to go a little bit, right? <laughs> we can sing a little bit. That can be exciting. And here, I wouldn't be a preacher if I didn't say it. We're going to be giving of our tithes and offering too, right? But that's, that's an outpouring of what God has given us, celebrating what God has given us. Because at the end of the day, we can celebrate because we serve a God who it says that he is the master, the owner of the cattle on a thousand hills. He's got it all. And he wants to bless his kids.